0: Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I am so pleased that you have decided to join me today as we continue to explore our discipleship. So our discipleship is formed around three areas, head, heart, and hands. These three things form a rounded version of you as a disciple. And the danger is we can be wonky. Uh, we can focus on one area and not the other. And so we try it on this podcast, kind of do episodes that connect with different areas of our discipleship head heart and hands well this season i'm just exploring uh the bible in in slighter greater detail and the reason for this is i have to be very honest with you we've just republished the bible book by book and illustrated journey through its people places and themes and so much of what we talk about on this podcast is found in this book it was published 12 years ago we've republished it an updated edition i'm really proud of it i just think it's one of the best things that we've ever been able to put out the quality of it the content of it the rigor of it it's wonderful So I want to uh, have a bit of a season focusing on the Bible. So uh, I'm going to have episodes over the coming weeks with numbers of different people that have engaged with Scripture differently. We're going to be talking to a a doctor, a reverend doctor, theologian, who really focuses on the book of Revelation. I want us to spend a bit of time with Revelation. What does that book mean? We're going to talk to someone who has handwritten the entire New Testament as a way of engaging with it. Uh, And like today, I want us to just delve into some scripture. Now, uh, if you've got a copy of the Bible book by book, bless you, love you. If we ever see each other, I'll write a little note in it for you. Um, On page 125, we're exploring in the book, the Gospel of Matthew. And there's a little bit in here that I absolutely love. And most people don't know about this. Uh, And I've called it in the book, Reading Between the Lines. So... uh, There's a reason for reading between the lines because uh, it's possible to read the Bible as just a surface text and you will get so much from Scripture reading it from the surface text. But sometimes hidden in the text, hidden between the lines, are other things going on uh, that if we just understand a Jewish cultural practice or if we don't understand how a rabbi would do something, then it might unlock something hidden in the text as well, which is just interesting. It doesn't change everything, but it's just really interesting. So today this podcast episode is going to come straight from the book. I want to talk to you about Remez. Remez. And I'm going to give you three examples of in scripture where we see Jesus using this teaching mechanism called Remez. So hope friends that you enjoy this do give this a share I know many of you really enjoyed the episode a couple ago on uh, the Ketubah and the wedding and we will do some more on on that kind of stuff because I know you guys absolutely loved it massive massive thank you as well to the listeners that are supporting the podcast by buying us a coffee uh, which you could to do in in the show notes simple way of uh, supporting the podcast numbers of you have done that and I think what's really cool is that I didn't realize this but I can communicate with those that have supported the podcast Uh, so uh, those that have supported the podcast by buying a copy have already started pitching ideas uh, for future episodes and I've heard you we we are definitely going to do one on creation care we are definitely going to do one on uh, the uh, sermon on the mount Uh, so listening on it we're going to do it. But anyway, today we are going to be talking about the teaching mechanism of a rabbi called Ramez. So here we go. Ramez. Now, Ramez is spelled R E M E Z and E Z Z. That's for the American listeners. Z. Uh, R E M E Z. Ramez it is a rabbinical teaching technique that is translated as either hint or clue and uh, i absolutely love this so if, chris where did you get this from where, where did you learn all of this stuff hey i'm gonna give you ray van der Lan. i'm not gonna say much else he's my secret weapon this guy is where i've learned so much of my understanding of judaism my understanding of uh, things in the text that we might miss, Ray Vanderland. Please don't go reading his stuff, because you'll know where I've got it from. Uh, no, that's not quite true. But he, I actually did a course with him a number of years ago, a three-day uh, theology uh, course, looking at some of this stuff, and it just totally blew my mind. One of the things that blew my mind was remez. Remez was a rabbinical teaching technique, meaning hint or clue. So what a rabbi would do when teaching is they would say something but not say all of what they were saying so that you had to end the sentence. So they would give you a hint or a clue towards something. So I'm saying this phrase and it's a hint and a clue to this phrase over here so by saying th- th- this phrase I'm using, it's hinting towards something else that was said in the past. So without saying everything that was said in the past, I'm hinting towards it. And I have taught on something similar uh, on the podcast before. i talked about stream pearls. One of the ways that the rabbis taught was they would take lines from all over the Old Testament or phrases, known phrases from all over the Old Testament, and they would put all those phrases together and they'd string a new sentence or a new paragraph using line from the Psalms, a line from Isaiah, uh, maybe something from uh, the book of Daniel, and they'd weave it together uh, and they'd say something new that was not new at all, it was something old, but they'd hang things together in a particular way. that that gave a new picture or a new idea or a new metaphor. Well, Remez is similar to that kind of stringing pearls. This Remez, a hint or a clue, it would assume that the listener knew the Bible in full. when I say the Bible in full, I'm talking about the Old Testament Bible, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and then through the, the prophets and the minor prophets, the Psalms, okay? The presumption was that you knew your scriptures inside out. You could literally pull them apart and you would know how these books were made and what phrases were used. So, it assumed that the uh, the listener knew their Bible in full. And the rabbi, the teacher, would quote one verse of the Bible and they would want you to say the next line as the real answer. So, um, if you asked... A rabbi a question, they may give you a response that looks like it's not actually saying anything. You're like, what? We we see this in Jesus. Jesus gets asked a question, he gives an answer that makes absolutely no sense, and you're sat there going, Jesus, what are you doing? Just give a straight answer, mate. That's because Jesus is you're using, using this rabbinical teaching technique of ramez. It's not helpful for us but it was super helpful for Jesus because he could say things that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law would understand what he was really saying, a hidden message in the message. It's not helpful for us if we don't know scripture that well, but it was helpful for Jesus because it really showed, A, Jesus knew his scripture inside out that he could rework it. It also told the Pharisees that Jesus spoke with authority authority and that was a key thing who is this jesus well whoever he is he knows his scriptures and he speaks with authority that he teaches with this teaching te- technique called Rames. So what I want to do in this podcast is just show you three times that Jesus uses this kind of teaching technique, and it's a technique that we miss, but hopefully from today, it might help you to start, have a bit of an adventure looking for more of these, and remember look, just Google, uh, not everything you find on Google is correct, uh, but just Google, you can find where others have found these before. So let me take you then to Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. Location, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem. And as Jesus is teaching, there's obviously a lot of noise and there's children uh, really creating this background rabble. And uh, the Pharisees tell Jesus to shut the kids up. Shut the kids up, Jesus. And Jesus responds to them in Matthew Uh, 21 16 with this line out of the mouth of babes you have caused praise okay so on surface level it looks like jesus saying look i'm not going to shut them up because out of their mouths is praise which i've heard that taught many times where uh, this passage comes up and the preacher says what jesus is doing here is telling the pharisees really you should be like the children now, that is a great interpretation, and it's interpretation that I'm sure matched a lot of what Jesus would be saying. But what's interesting is, let's look at the response of the Pharisees. The Pharisees' response to Jesus saying this out of the mouth of babes, you have caused praise. The response is this they were so angered by him that they wanted to kill Jesus. Now, we have to ask ourselves why? would they want to kill jesus when all he said is well out of the mouths of babes you know, you get worship you know children praise why would they want to kill him surely they've misunderstood what jesus is saying well maybe it's us that have misunderstood what jesus is saying so what jesus is doing here he's responding to the pharisees who are telling him to shut the kids up he's responding to them by using a psalm Chapter 8, verse 2. And out of Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, it says this: Out of the mouth of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger through their praise. Now, different translations will translate this slightly differently. So you may have a translation that translates differently. What I'm trying to do is you go back to the you have to go to the original Hebrew. Uh, sometimes to kind of unpick what's you know how is this working how is it connected with what Jesus is saying but Psalm 8 verse 2 out of the mouth of children then Jesus misses a bit and he says then you have caused praise or or through their praise so when Jesus says out of the mouth of babes you have caused praise he's saying Psalm chapter 8 verse 2 but he's missing a middle section he's saying the beginning, and the end of the the psalm line, but is missing the central bit. The central bit is this. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus here is criticising the Pharisees. So when, when they say, shut the children up, Jesus is saying, essentially, Uh, that God has established a stronghold against his enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. He's saying, no, you are the foe. You are the avenger. You are the enemy, not the children. So what Jesus does here, friends, is he takes a line from a psalm. He said the beginning of the sentence, the end of the sentence. He's missed out the the middle of the sentence. So the Pharisees, who knew their scripture through and through, heard Jesus and knew, hang on, he's missed the middle bit here. So what Jesus is doing, he's giving a hint and a clue. I love to call these nudge, nudge, wink, winks, okay? Jesus giving a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Jesus, shut up the children. And Jesus responds to them with a hidden statement. No, my father is making a stronghold against his enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. You are the foe and the avenger. So, Jesus' actual statement isn't Jesus' actual statement. Does that make sense? He uses the beginning and the end of the line, but it's actually the middle of the line that the Pharisees are offended by, which we don't hear, but they do. So, this is this teaching technique called Remes. I love to call it the, uh, the uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That doesn't mean much to you. It's literally this idea of, hey, watch what I'm about to say. And we're like, what did he just say? Like, what's he nodding to? What's he winking to? Let's look at another example where Jesus does this. So Jesus used the same teaching method when he was speaking to Zacchaeus. So Jesus says in Luke 19, 10 to Zacchaeus, For the Son of Man seeks to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now what Jesus is quoting from here is actually from Ezekiel chapter 34, verse four. Now the whole of Ezekiel 34 is essentially about the good shepherd. It's talking about uh, shepherds that are doing a bad job shepherds that are not caring for the flock shepherds that have neglected to care for sheep have gone away uh, the shepherds essentially eventually we understand them in the new testament are uh, the pharisees the pharisees have failed uh, to do what god invited them to do as shepherds of his people they failed that and the whole of ezekiel 34 is about how god is going to send a good shepherd who's going to come and actually do the work of God so Jesus says in Luke nineteen ten, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost Ezekiel 34 verse 4 says this you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost so this phrase seeking and saving the lost I comes from ezekiel 34 uh you have not brought back the strays a search for the lost and what jesus is is doing here uh he's acknowledging to zacchaeus actually who he is for the son of man that is jesus has come to seek and save the lost is essentially jesus is saying i am god and i am doing what you haven't you being the Pharisees who'd all be kind of listening in, or or listening to the sides. So, just unpick this for For the Son of Man, where's that come from? Well, that comes from Daniel seven thirteen, where there's a prophesy of a, a Son of Man. That comes from uh, uh, Daniel seven thirteen and to seek and save the lost. Well, that's coming from Ezekiel 34 verse 4, but also verse 12 and verse 16. So what Jesus is doing here, he's taking something from Daniel, he's taking something from Ezekiel and putting it together. He's making a statement against the Pharisees, but he's actually making a statement about himself. I am God and I am doing what they haven't done. The Pharisees haven't done. I've come to seek and save the lost i'm coming to do what he's coming uh, to strengthen the weak to heal the sick to bind up the injured so this is what jesus is coming to say so what jesus has done he's quoted one little line uh this seek and save the lost but he's actually meaning the entire sentence. So he's making a statement about who he is, and he's making a statement about what he's come to do. So this the teaching technique remains, it relies on us knowing the Scriptures so we know where the Son of Man comes from and how that's used. Seeking and saving the lost, well, we know that's from Ezekiel. And we know in Ezekiel that that whole section is about the perfect good shepherd who comes to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick and to bind up the injured. And that's exactly what Jesus has come to do for Zacchaeus. So Jesus is making a statement to Zacchaeus about what he has come to do for Zacchaeus and all of the lost sheep. So in this one sentence, yes, we could totally take it on surface value, can't we? For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. We know what that's about. Well, that son of man is Jesus. Many of us know that that phrase uh, is referencing him. I've come to seek and save the lost. Well, that statement makes sense in itself. But once you know where it's from, you now know that Jesus is making a claim to be God. And, you know, he's claiming to be the good shepherd, unlike the Pharisees who are the poor shepherds. And actually what he's come to do to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick, and to bind up the injured. Now, I want to take you to one last example of where Jesus does this. And friends, this is my favorite example. And it's as Jesus is hanging on the cross. So in Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus is hanging on the cross and whilst hanging on the cross in verse 46 he says those words my god my god why have you forsaken me and we read that and we go oh my gosh jesus is abandoned in this moment read it on say on face value and that's exactly how you should be able to read it but what jesus is doing here is is 100% remez it's a an hint and a clue. Jesus is saying something whilst at the same time he's saying something. And, and that's really the best way of me explaining a, rem- a remez. A remez is Jesus says something, but really he says something or he says something. Does that make sense? It's, it, there's more going on. So in Psalm 22, it starts with the line, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And then when Jesus dies on the cross, his final words is, It is finished. Well, the final line of Psalm 22 is, For he has done it. And that's in my English translation. But in the Hebrew, it would be, It is done. It is over. So Psalm 22 starts with the phrase, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with, it's finished, it's done, it's completed. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says those infamous infamous words, um, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is done, it is finished. What Jesus is actually doing there is he's, he's doing remez. And he's expecting you and I to know the entire psalm. So I'm just going to read to us Psalm 22. So while hanging on the cross, Jesus is teaching those around him what he's actually doing using this rabbinical teaching technique, okay? So, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our Father put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. They cried to you and, and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Verse 12. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Basham encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a broken pot, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Can you believe that's in here in Psalm 22? They've pierced my hands and my feet. It's so prophetic for what Jesus was going to do on the cross. They can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among and cast lots for my clothing. But you are Lord. Be not far off. Oh, my strength, come quickly to help me deliver my life from the sword my precious life from the power of the dogs rescue me from the mouth of the lions save me from the horns of the wild oxen wow this is the story of jesus this is jesus's death on the cross right here and jesus is saying the first and the last line so everybody around knows psalm 22 is going he's the psalm's about him the psalm is about jesus written thousand years beforehand isn't that incredible verse 26 the poor will eat and be satisfied they who seek the Lord will praise him may your hearts live forever all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord Yahweh the dominion belongs to Yahweh have a question Did Jesus believe he was the same God as the God of the Old Testament? Of course he does. We've got him here quoting from the psalm with Yahweh and the rulers over the nations. All of the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve them. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to the people yet unborn for he has done it it is finished jesus is hanging on the cross and he's still teaching he's teaching us that hidden in the scriptures he's mentioned everything that he's just gone through it is mentioned and everything that he's going to do is mentioned and it is now finished they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn friends that's us Jesus on the cross is saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is how they've acted towards me. Uh, this is what I've come to do. And this will be proclaimed from generation to generation to generation. Those that are yet unborn will hear about what he is doing for them. Isn't this mind-blowing? Hanging on the cross, Jesus is using this rumors, this hint and clue to who he is. his Yahweh the same God that's spoken of in Psalm 22. Jesus uses the first line and uses the last line and in that he encompasses everything in the middle. You see, Jesus is leaving us to say the next line. Jesus is leaving us to fill in the gaps. It's essentially what is going on. So friends, the scriptures are filled with these remesas, these teaching techniques where Jesus is asked a question and he gives an answer that makes not that much sense or or looks a bit too basic. Actually, there's often something in between the beginning and the end of that sentence. And if we could only find where it is in the Old Testament, if only we knew our scriptures well enough. So friends, I hope you find that interesting, inspiring. I hope it makes you want to go away and read scripture. If you want to dig more into this book, look, I can't more highly recommend the Bible book by book. We're very proud of it. Uh, we love uh, what is in there. It's not a hard sell, uh, but you know it may it may help you as you explore Scripture uh, for the future. So, friends, give it a Google R E M E Z, Remez, research it. Where else does it come up in Scripture? Scripture wherever does Jesus use this teaching method? I hope that inspires you, friends. Until next time, have a great week in grace.